You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Media Group podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. On today's episode, I sit down with Doug Alberhaski. He's the third generation owner and operator of the historic John's Grocery. Doug shares what it was like growing up within the family business, the surprising ways the community has changed his life, and how selling imported beer reinvented John's Grocery. Doug also digs into the exciting historical film he's working to bring to life, how John's Grocery got the nickname Dirty John's, and why real success for Doug has less to do with him and more to do with his son. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time as a native Coralvillian and, mm-hmm. and Iowa City, and I've uh, spent many a dollar and many a many a day <laughs> in uh, in John's Grocery. It's the jewel of Iowa City, right there well, on the corner. You. It's it's an amazing place, and whether you're in there buying wine from the experts or the craft beer selection, which you're you've been famous for since the very beginning, mm-hmm. and we'll talk a little bit about that. Or back in the day when it was Scotcheroos or or <laughs> fried chicken, or if you need some Advil, Tylenol, whatever, whatever you might need. That yes. the beautiful. A uh, gem of a grocery store right there, right there on the corner here in the in the heart of uh, the North Side, the historic North Side in Iowa City. So thanks so much for You're very for, for taking for the time. Me. This oh, is yeah. a yeah conversation long long overdue, and want to chat uh, you know a bit about your personal story. Obviously, sure. you, you know you the third generation um, owner operator of, of John's Grocery, and you know now you've got your, your son that's getting into mm-hmm. it, the fourth generation. So we'll chat a bit about you know. How the complexities, the, oh, yeah. the pros and cons of uh, the family business. And of course, you've seen the evolution of retail and brick and mortar retail and grocery and the town change around you and your family. There's a lot to a lot to dive into. But was it always, we'll start with kind of your yeah. personal story. Was it always a foregone conclusion that you were going to take over the family business or had you ever thought about taking on a different path? You know, uh, I, to be honest, you know, I, I, I grew up in the store. Uh, I think the first time that I remember working, I was six. Um, so I'd go in with dad, uh, I'd help my grandpa, uh, and, uh, you know, grandpa always called me his chief cook and bottle washer. And basically (laughs) that, that meant that, you know, anything that needed to be done, uh, he would, he would have me do. What was the Um, pay back then for a six year old? Oh, geez. Uh, I think it was a (laughs) A place uh, to sleep at night. Well, that helped. Uh, I I think actually I got paid in baseball cards. (laughs) There you go. Uh, and which is pretty darn good. Yeah, it it, it was. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody knows that the, uh, the chewing gum was not where it was at, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so I started working, um, it, it was tough though, because, uh, my dad and my uncle, uh, were our two managers uh, growing up. And so my dad would work days and my uncle would work nights. And then the next week they would switch. My dad would work nights and my uncle would work days. What were the hours then? This uh, would have been in the 70s? Early 80s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, we were open 7.30 in the morning till midnight. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, Fridays and Saturdays, we were open till 2 a.m. Oh, wow. And then Sundays, we didn't open till 9. 
Uh, so that was, you know, just growing up and, and not having uh, my dad be there for half the time. I said, do I really want to do this? Um, I went to City High, uh, got heavily involved in junior achievement, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, that was an amazing uh, experience for me uh, in their after-school uh, program. Sure. And then uh, when I got into college... Uh, just, here at the university? Yeah, here yeah. at the university. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I did not apply myself very well. I'll just say it that way. Um, <laughs> and so I had a, a choice, uh, take a... Uh, uh, a contract with the uh, U.S. Army because I'd gone through two years of uh, ROTC uh, and become a second lieutenant uh, and, and serve. Or instead, I decided to go up to Kirkwood, and it took me uh, what, another five years to get a, a two-year food store management degree. And at that time, I was working full-time, and I thought, you know, why, why, why do something else when this is all right here? Right. And my dad and my grandparents needed me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was adamant, though, that I didn't want to work nights. I wanted to build a structure uh, that uh, I could have in place uh, managers that I trusted yep. uh, to be able to ensure that I didn't have to work nights for the rest of my life because I didn't want to do that to my family. Sure. And uh, that's kind of when I got hard and heavy into it. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of mistakes along the way, but... Uh, uh, my dad, my grandpa, and grandma uh, trusted me enough that they said, "Well, here's the keys. Don't crash the car." <laughs> and uh, that was the best way of learning. And and you know, I've kind of taken that approach with my son, uh, and you know, just giving him that opportunity uh, because it, it, it's never been teaching. It's just been learning through osmosis. Right. Um, I'll never forget when my son was in uh, first grade in Tiger Cubs. Uh, he really wanted the Nintendo Wii uh, as the mm -hmm. popcorn prize. Uh, and I think it was like, you know, he had to sell like $3,500 worth of popcorn. He said, Dad, I want to do a, uh, a little booth outside of John's. I said, sure, but you got to do it all. I'm not talking about yeah. you. You got to do it. And this gal comes up. And in the really squeaky voice, hi, you want to buy some Cub Scout popcorn? And she goes, oh, honey, I'd love to. I just don't have any cash. And I never, ever told him to do this. But with the skill of a trained assassin, he goes, well, we got an ATM right inside the back door. <laughs> and she's and going, he's ready uh, for the, yeah. There's the guy so to take, yeah. take the keys to the, to the, to yeah. the family business. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's just because he had, he had learned so much from just being around me and and watching me as I had done from my dad and my right. grandparents, and and that was kind of the the the, the track that I've used for him yep. because you know it, it kind of worked for me. And you, like you said, you grew up in it since you were six years old and seeing it. But you get done with college, you come back, you're you're taking on more and more responsibility. Once once that became your life and your mm -hmm. your livelihood, what surprised you the most about? about the job of, of being a small business owner and running the family business that maybe you didn't appreciate that your dad yeah. or grandpa or uncles were doing? Um, I, I think it was being involved in the community mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's so important to be uh, seen and uh, to, to have that top of mind. And the, the things that have affected me in my later years... Uh, all started with uh, learning 
John's Grocery's place in the North Side and yep. in Iowa City. And, you know, I'll never forget we had um, uh, when Pearson's uh, drugstore, drug yeah. uh, when, when they unfortunately went out of business, um, Hy-Vee was actually going to buy this location. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had learned through one of our distributors that this was going to happen. And... Uh, they're going to do a Hy-Vee drug store, like yeah, a smaller it, yeah, 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 yeah. It, with the specific... Right around the... Yeah. Literally right up the street from where yeah. you're at. Yeah. It, with no other reason than to put us out of business. Hmm. And uh, the community rallied around us. Uh, the press citizen uh, did an interview with the CEO of Hy-Vee, and he said, well, I think Iowa Citizens should celebrate us building a uh, new store in the north side, and who cares if a decrepit old business goes out of business? Wow. And uh, it was it was so amazing seeing how the community rallied around us. Mm-hmm. And I remember because uh, my son was uh, I think like eight months old, uh, asleep in my arms up at North Market Square Park by Horse Man, and I was the last one to speak. And I mean it was it was to the point of pitchforks and torches, and we're gonna go march on High V type <laughs> sort of stuff. And uh, and I I said. Uh, you know, in in our family at that point, uh, I think it was like 50, 58 years, um, we've been here uh, for you, our neighbors, in your times of need. And I'm so grateful that in our time of need, you're yeah, here you're for, for us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was so much backlash that Hybe said, oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. But that's where I learned that, you know, uh, doing good in the community, uh, you know, and that's something I tell my scouts all the time as a scoutmaster. You know, you got to be there for your brother because you never know when sure. your brother is going to need to be there for you. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the the biggest thing that and and growing up you just you don't realize how that all fits together. Yeah. Because it all happens kind of in the nether world. Yeah, and you guys have a unique a corner grocer neighborhood grocer like that. Where you, yeah. You know, bodegas and, and larger cities or whatever that looks like. I mean, you are literally there for people's daily yes, daily yeah. needs, whether it's toilet paper or Advil or yep. water. What You know, sometimes you need some beer too, right? Like well, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'll never forget uh, one Christmas. Uh, we're always open for just a couple hours on Christmas yeah. Day. And it's not, we, we don't make any money at it. It's just something good to do. And one year, a little lady came in just absolutely frantic because the 30 amp plug fuse on uh, for her stove blew and she had no way to cook Christmas, uh, Christmas, Christmas dinner. dinner. Yeah. And so she came in, we we're the only place open, we had that fuse and for every Christmas until she passed away, she always brought us cookies to say thank you. <laughs> and, and, and that's the type of thing that, you know, you know that you're doing good in yeah. the community. But uh, one of my all, you got to share this story, but one of my all time favorite, you know, that John's Grocery is also referred to very belovedly by us Iowa Cityans or I, University of Iowa alums. Oh, they yeah. come back as Dirty John's. Yes. Yeah. You got to tell the story about, uh, about how you guys got that nickname. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the original City High School, uh, eventually converted into Central Junior High, was right down the block where the Mercy Medical Plaza is now. And the kids would always come in over the noon hour, and they would get penny candy. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandma got so sick and tired of seeing them eating nothing but sweets, uh, eventually she started our deli by making five-cent ham salad sandwiches. So at this point, we've got hundreds and hundreds of kids coming in over the noon hour, because even back then the lunches weren't so yeah. good, right? So then 1956, we're the first place in town to sell a brand new 
somewhat controversial magazine by the name of Playboy. Mm-hmm. And like you see in the old movies, the truck goes by and the guy in the back of the truck takes the bundle and throws them out on the front steps. <laughs> well, two boys walk up early for lunch. They see the truck, they see the stack, and they see opportunity. <laughs> so they liberate those entire yeah, stack yeah. of Playboys down to the junior high, start passing them out to all their buddies. They are the kings <laughs> of the junior high yeah. until Otto, the wrestling coach, catches them. And he drags him up to the principal's office. Well, Otto has to get back to teach class, so he doesn't have a chance to tell the principal exactly what was going on. So just assuming, the principal calls up my grandpa and says, Dirty John, what in the hell are you doing selling these boys Playboy? And the name sticks. <laughs> so, I Scout's Honor, true story. That's why we're I calling. absolutely love that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, the old... Dirty Johns, and it yep. stuck, that's for it, sure. It did, is, it did. It's amazing. And, and it, it, it's, it's amazing that in all these years, I, I we're just went up uh, to uh, a Twins game, a Brewers game, and a Cubs game uh, mm-hmm. this past weekend, and a couple of my friends had Dirty John's shirts on, and in every city, hey, go Hawks! Dirty John's, all yeah. right! You know. It becomes synonymous with, yeah. the, with this place, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. amazing. So by my math, it's, it's almost 75 years. 75 it's been 75 years, years, years yep. which is... Which is Unbelievable, and, and you've seen in any business owner, there has to be evolution, and, and the world around you changes, yes. and you have to change. Yeah, and you—that's certainly been the case oh, yeah. for, for you guys. <laughs> yeah. um, talk a bit about beer and wine, because you, sure. you you guys have had done something very unique, and at the time, very innovative in mm-hmm. your craft beer selection, yeah. and and becoming you know even world renowned for yeah. the the selection of, of beer you had even before craft beer kind of became oh, a, yeah. became yeah. a thing talk a bit about and that's been a big big part of your success as as chapters have gone on about mm-hmm. of John's grocery talk a bit about the impetus for that business move for sure. you guys and how did you peek around the corner to see that opportunity coming and yeah. and how are you looking at potential future opportunities and how to evolve as well. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing that being the small guy, you got to be the, that nimble running back that can find the gap and, and get to there before anybody else does. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, uh, took the remnants of graph brewing Mm-hmm. And then the Graft Beverage Works that right, down right here, here by, yeah, right, yeah, right around, around the, the north side. corner yep. from where you guys are at, yeah. And and he turned it into Graft Beverage, and so he had not only Old Style and Rhinelander, but he had Guinness and Samuel Smith and Watney's and all these other really nice imports. And so when I first got into beer, uh, those were the beers that I liked because I, I never liked. Old style because I, from you know the earliest ages I was sorting cans, sure, and that was just utterly disgusting. <laughs> the um, smell sticks with you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The smell of old lager that's been sitting out on a hot sunny day. Um, but when I started getting into the imports, uh, was uh, a pretty magical time uh, because there were a lot more imports coming into the United States. And this was really before the microbrewery revolution in the 1990s. Um, And I found that Iowa City travels. And when you've been to Munich, when you've been to Brussels, when you've been to London, you get it. And you want to replicate that experience. So we started getting in all these beers. Now, that's true. I I just, we just went to Ireland, me and my folks and our some of our extended family back to see my all my mom's sides from yeah. and I had never really drank much Guinness. Yeah. You go and, and have a 
have a oh, pint in Dublin and it, Galway, it's a magical experience. and you come back, it's like you better believe I'll be drinking more Guinness back here oh, in the yeah, states yeah. and have been. Yeah, yeah so it's yeah. a good point. Yeah, and and we 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 had a hiccup at one point because we were bringing in all this beer, and then the state said, "Oh, wait a minute, we just." read the reread the 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 alcohol laws and anything over six and a quarter percent isn't beer it's liquor so we started having to purchase beer from the state of iowa mm-hmm. huge pain in the butt yeah but worth avoiding what it made us do is we went directly to the importers and eventually i had the best belgian beer selection outside of belgium and we had all of the world-class beers and we were selling them not only all over Iowa city, but we were wholesaling them across the state. And then we're also shipping them all over the country. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, we, we had to find our niche. Uh, what year was that when that really took off? Well, it, it would have been, uh, late 1990s. Uh, is when we really got into that. I mean, because we, my, my brother did our, our website mm-hmm. uh, and he was like so far ahead of his time. Uh, in 2005, uh, the Wallonian and Flanders Trade Federation of Belgium had this Belgian beer experience at the Kendall Culinary College in Chicago. And every Belgian beer exported to the United States was at this show. Wow. We were the only retailer there. A, because we had, uh, at that point, about 300 different Belgian glasses, but we also had the ability to sell tickets online. And this is before Ticketmaster or anything else. My brother actually came up with all of that. That's great. And so, again, being the first kid in the class to do something uh, usually pays dividends. It's like a true, like, omni-channel approach to brick-and-mortar retail, because, of course, that's been... A big talking point over the last eh, probably about that same oh, amount, yeah, 20, yeah. 20 some odd years, you know, brick and mortar retail is going to die. But you've seen the successful ones that have been the ones that have done Innovated, a digi- digital yep. presence and, and a way to do e-commerce, but then yeah. have also blended that with their brick and mortar experience. Yes. So you yeah. guys were kind of you guys were on the cutting edge of that. You may have not yeah. known it at the time, but you well, were. Well, yeah. You, and, and, and but that's what you got to do to survive. You mm-hmm. know, when when grandma, grandpa opened, there were uh, was it 26 other family owned corner groceries. Uh, in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. And why are we the last one? Well, we got a good location. We had a big family. But we were able to kind of see where our customers wanted to go before they knew it. Yeah. And uh, then I think about, you know, how fortuitous it was. Uh, you know, we were selling a ton of really good Belgian and German uh, imported beer in Des Moines. But... Uh, I, I heard that there is this little uh, restaurant that was going to be opening up uh, in North Liberty. And so I took up a whole bunch of really good beer and I, I met Matt Swift for the first time. And in the construction zone that would later be known as Reds, yeah. we tried all these beers and he was blown away. Kind of the godfather of the craft craft beer yeah. spot up there was Reds. They were really yeah. ahead of their time in terms they, they of were, featuring they were. that kind of beer. And, and, and of course, and, that became kind of the birthplace of Big Grove Brewery. And, and so yeah. many other things. Yeah. So, you know, and it, it's, it's amazing how those chance meetings can really make such an impact. Yeah. Uh, but knowing all of the, the major importers in the United States that are bringing in all these world-class beers, and then knowing uh, all of the brewers 
of the now amazing Iowa breweries that really kind of got their start drinking at John's. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's just a conglomeration of yeah. all of this. And, and I, I think about where would we be at if we hadn't have done this or that. Yeah, that's great. Um, and, and, you know, it, it is really a, a testament to, you know, being that small guy that needs to be constantly innovating. Yeah, absolutely. And reinventing ourselves. And 75 years of the total company's history with your family, and you've been on the clock at the helm for probably almost 30 or, or yeah. somewhere in that area. And there's all the success and the innovation, but that doesn't come without some adversity and some tough oh, times sure. too. Is there something, was it stand out to you as a low moment or a, Jesus, I don't know if I can keep this thing going moment during your tenure? Uh, uh, well, there, 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 there've been a couple, I mean, you know, uh, shoplifting ebbs and flows mm -hmm. and, uh, we're having a, a, a huge problem with that right now. Hmm. Um, and, and that's something that n nobody really seems to, to see and, uh, you know, but it, it's so f utterly frustrating. Um, I also think that, you know, it, it is so difficult to uh, have a family business survive a generational change. Sure. And, uh, you know, my dad was one of seven kids and uh, uh, that process was smooth, but it was not without, uh, you know, financial hardship and, you know, trying to make sure that everybody is made whole right. while continuing. How does his equity transition yeah. over to yeah. you? And yeah. how does that do it in a way it doesn't put you in a rough spot financially? Yeah. 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 And that's why I ended up starting another business from my snow removal business mm -hmm. and doing lawn care and trees and decks and, uh, and remodeling and all that, just so I have another income stream sure. coming in. Uh, but yeah, it, it's that, that was probably the Those hardest thing. Yeah. yeah. And you're several years away from probably going off into the sunset with oh, John's yeah, 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 de yeah. decade, two decades, but you're working on this next yes. generational transition. Is there any lessons to learn from when you went through it that you're going to apply specifically to here or even advice for other small business owners out there that are listening about what, yeah. what to do's or not to do's or things to watch out for? Well, the, 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 the major thing was just uh, not pressuring. You know, mm -hmm. and my dad really never pressured me that you got to do this. You yeah. got to do this. You, you got, he wanted me to want to do it. Right. And that was the same thing that I've done with JD. And, um, you know, part of it also is, uh, for, for him to realize, um, the good and the bad. Right. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I think everything life is on a pendulum. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, we, we, we see the mistakes of our father and we don't make those mistakes, we make our own. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think to, to anybody else that is in a family business, um, you know, making sure that you're looking at all of the... The warts, the, yeah, the, yeah. the rough times, the dealing with shoplifting, and yeah, all the... Yeah, it's not, it's not so, all, so uh, that you, you realize that uh, it, it's not all unicorns and puppy dogs. Yeah. Uh, and that you're going to have those low spots uh and you just got to kind of push through them right. um and 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 also realizing that you know as long as you learn from your mistakes and they're not major mistakes yep. uh you're gonna be okay yeah talk a bit about the future of john's is there you look out 
ahead, let's say it's the 85th birthday yeah. that you're going to be celebrating 10 years from now, what potential chal- what, what do you see changing in the grocery retail landscape? What mm. are maybe some challenges that might be hiding or lurking around a corner? What do you see as potential opportunities? What, what are you guys going to sort of, what other future innovations might you yeah. foresee coming down the pipeline that you're going to have to take on in order to thrive for another 10 plus years? Sure. Uh, you know, it, the only constant is change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I look right now, uh, you know, import beer is is coming back. Uh, we have such amazing, good Local, Iowa yeah. stuff. Uh, but sometimes people just want to go back to the classics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as as the price difference between the micros and the imports kind of get on parity, uh, you might want to try, you know, and, and by, you know, you know, every year we do Brunos and we, we highlight the local versus the yeah. five star world class. It's a great beer festival you guys do here. Yeah. On the, yeah. yeah on the North side. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, that one, you know, is, you know, We've been doing Brewfest for 28 years. This year uh, for, for Brunos up in Cedar Rapids for the Czech Museum is year 20. And uh, it, it, it's all based on that having the customer have that experience. Yeah. And um, realizing that we need to keep highlighting why should you come to John's. Yep. And making it easy for our customer to succeed. Uh, you know, I just... Just put in two new uh, automatic sliding doors uh, at, at John's. You know, finally bringing us up into the 20th century, at least. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. That that is a great differentiator as someone that lives just a half mile away from your grocery oh, yeah. store. I mean, it is easy and convenient, and the yeah. it's a frictionless customer experience. You yeah. know, you guys don't have everything that a, a high V might have, but if I need know exactly what I need, I can just yeah. park right next to the door, walk in the back door, exactly, go in, grab. Couple bottles of wine, grab a you're you're done, yeah. You know, a snack for lunch or you know, whatever that might look like. And um, yeah, that is a a strategic differentiator for you guys. It it is, it is. And I just had a a mom that was uh, that came in because she had heard about us. Uh, I think she's from uh, uh, the Quad Cities, and she goes, Oh my gosh, you guys have the same peanut butter that uh, I always buy at High V, and you're 40 cents less, right? Yeah, you know, so. Being a small business doesn't mean that we're we're expensive. Uh, sure, but you know, realizing you know how do we make it easier for our customers to, to succeed, and and how do we uh, replicate uh, that success on a daily basis? And and it gets down to people. It gets down to training. It gets down to uh, enhancing that customer yeah. experience. I, yeah, I think the thing that you guys do a great job of too. You probably have one. 500th of the shelf space, maybe one 1,000th yeah. of, a, of a big, big larger grocer is this, this idea of curation. Yes, yes. And whether it's you're back in the wine room or in the craft beer room or even, you know, the candy or the, the certain kind of drinks or yeah. whatever that might be, you got to be the expert curator and yes. find, you know, whether it's just the pipe price point or this is like a special kind of cheese or, yeah. So yeah. I think that's where you guys really win as well as like you come in and the, and you're staying on top of trends and those sort of yeah. things and knowing exactly how to fill the very, very valuable mm-hmm. shelf space. And yeah. Yeah. No. And that, that's, that's so important. Um, and, and another thing I just thought of is, you know, like my son is trying to do a lot more of a social media presence mm-hmm. and, uh, we're going to, uh, kind of 
slowly get into, uh, you know, like doing TikTok videos uh, yeah. with Why different, di- different <laughs> well, and, and just educating uh, the younger people on the different drinks, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, I've always preached less but better in drinking for the taste, not for the effect. Mm-hmm. And uh, not everybody gets that. Yeah. Uh, but especially in a college town at yeah, times. At times. But, you know, <laughs> usually by the time that they are graduating, yeah. we're, we're their go to place. Right. Introduced and, to it. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, before we wrap up, I know you and I share a love for the local history yes. here in Iowa City and especially on the north side. I mean, it's such a gem. And, so, you know, not only the, the architecture has been preserved, but there's this amazing. Uh, collection of historic and iconic uh, mm-hmm. businesses that are located here. What you know, yeah. you guys are certainly at the heart of that at John's Grocery, and you've got um, George's and Polly Eyes. You know, some newcomers. Yep. Whether you know the Webster. Yeah, um, I'm a love going to Artifacts and seeing oh, yeah. Todd. You know, yeah. one of the great <laughs> collections of, of antiques and found yes. objects in yes. the in the area. It's just such a Foxhead Tavern. Mm-hmm. You know, like just iconic, legendary. Places, but of course, the the history goes even further back, back of, yeah. of this neighborhood um, in Iowa City history and, and Iowa history. You know, and a huge uh, center for brewing beer yes. was right here yes. in the north side. And of course, yep. there's the beer caves, and we have the famous beer riots and all mm-hmm. those sort of things. And you've been working on a project that's that's super exciting and uh, a, a, based on a book that was written about the the beer culture and the brewing culture in the late 19th century and now mm-hmm. trying to turn it into a movie talk a bit about yeah uh, that project yeah so you know uh, I, I've been going down into the beer caves underneath the brewery square that was the original Union Brewing Company uh, for about a decade now Marlon Ingalls the former state archaeologist uh, took me down there for the first time and I was hooked and uh, we started doing tours down there. They were all for charity. You know, we worked really close with Mark Moen, who used to be a partial owner of the business or of the building there. And uh, we raised a lot of money for charity over the years. And in, I think it was 2018, uh, we did a 100 plus men and 100 plus women event where we took people down there uh, into the beer caves. It was a real quick uh, tour. Kind of wet the appetite sort of thing, but uh, Steve Sherman, uh, local uh, author and a uh, realtor, uh, went down and he was so enamored with it he wrote the book Beer Money, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a historicalized fiction of the beer riots in Iowa City in 1884. From that, we uh, uh, hired another local guy, uh, Makutsky Rumaguto, uh, and he wrote the screenplay uh, for the movie Death of a Brewer. And so on June 24th, uh, we filmed, uh, it was a 15 hour day, had 70 extras, you know, three horses, about 30, 32 <laughs> awesome. barrels of beer. And uh, we filmed this proof of concept that we just uh, debuted at Big Grove a couple nights ago. And from now uh, on, we're going to be looking for investments uh, to be able to make this a reality. And the state of Iowa has uh, said that they're going to match us uh, dollar for dollar uh, to raise the money. So hopefully in uh, the rest of the, the summer and the fall, we'll be uh, getting that investment uh, shored up. And then in the winter, we'll start doing casting and locations. And then uh, come spring and summer, of 2024 will be actually filming the movie. That's and awesome. We want to we want to be able to release it in the uh, spring of 25. What's the easiest way for folks that are 
interested in learning more about this project? Is it just get a hold of you directly at a yeah at, at it's, it's, Facebook either, it, or is there a website for the project? Yeah, so uh, it, on Facebook, it, it's uh, Death of a Brewer Movie. Okay. Um, and or you can just call John's and, and ask for me. Find and, you. Yeah, and I'll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've got. I think it's up to like 189 slide PowerPoint presentation of the history of beer and <laughs> I'll have to send right that now. via Google Drive instead yeah, of yeah, uh, an yeah. actual attachment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, awesome. it, it's just it, it's so exciting thinking about what that would do for our neighborhood mm-hmm. and our city. Um, you know, uh, build it and they will come was uh, field of dreams up in, and look at what it did for Dyersville. Uh, and we're saying brew it and they will come uh, for Iowa city. Yeah. Love it. That's, that's a, that's a fun. We'll look forward to seeing that, yes. that thing continue, continue to progress. And before we let you go, I'm always curious how people define success, right? And you yeah. guys, Certainly, longevity and the and the ongoing success of mm-hmm. an iconic business like John's Grocery through the generations is part of that. And you know, in order to do that, you got to be profitable. Any business yeah. owner, right? Like yeah. you're, you're gauging success via the the P and L and the mm-hmm. balance sheet and those sort of things. But how do you define success for for yourself and 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 for the business? Um, well, I, I think that that's a really good question. Um, you know. It, I just had uh, at Big Grove when we did the premiere. Um, I received the uh, uh, from the uh, Drake University Robert and Billy Ray Center uh, the uh, Citizen of Character Award. That's awesome. And um, that was primarily because of my work with Scouts and Optimus Club and everything in the community. But uh, you know, in 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 my personal respect, you know. Uh, having uh, mentored 40 young men to the rank of Eagle Scout mm-hmm. uh, and, and having that legacy, uh, that to me would be success on a personal, uh, um, knowing that it wasn't just my son, it was all of my sons yeah. that I got there and had an effect on their life. Uh, for, for the business, um, knowing that I set my son up with success as my dad and my grandfather before him um, because it's it's really tough and you got to do so much right and you got to have the right mental aspects and you got to have uh, the the right drive uh, mm-hmm. to be able to get it done and to have all of those things come together uh, is pretty magical yeah. and and it's pretty pretty damn hard to do mm-hmm. and so success would for me is making sure that my legacy and my family's legacy continues on so that my son and hopefully someday my grandson can continue in the same footsteps yeah well that's awesome and you guys are certainly leaders and, and great examples for all uh, business owners especially those small business owners out, yeah. out there that are that are doing it and uh, and appreciate all that you do for the for the community and um look forward to coming in and getting a bunch of cold beers for my weekend here coming down the pipeline uh, as well so look forward to uh following the progress of the, of the movie and yeah. the and the project there also and uh, appreciate you taking the time thank you nate thank you, you so bet. much yeah my thanks to doug alberhasky for coming on to the show to talk about his real success and you can learn more about john's grocery at johnsgrocery.com I'd also like to thank Midwest One Bank for sponsoring this podcast. Learn more and experience simply better banking at MidwestOne.Bank. And this podcast is produced by the good folks at Upload Media Group, located here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information on them, you can visit UploadMediaGroup.com. 
And of course, if you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. It always helps us to continue to develop and grow. Real Success with Nate Kading is a Corridor Media Group podcast. For more information, visit CorridorBusiness.com.